Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, our goal is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders. And for this episode, we're gonna discuss key skills every channel leader needs through a highly popular format we call Battle of the Channel Stars. Our discussion today will be divided into six segments with separate but related topics. Our two guests will share their perspective on each topic, and then I will join in on the discussion. And then here's where it gets fun. At the end of each segment, I'll award a point to who I believe made the best case, stated their points most clearly, shared the most compelling anecdotes, laughed at my jokes the most. And so you might be thinking, well, that gives you a heck of a lot of leeway in terms of deciding who gets the point or not. But, you know, I consider it this is my casino, my rules. Uh, we'll have a lot of latitude. We'll have a lot of fun. We're going to keep track of the points using a scoreboard for those folks who are watching on our YouTube channel. You can see the incredible state-of-the-art scoreboard that we have set up for you. It integrates all the uh, new technologies, AI, IoT, LED. It's solar powered. And I know you might be asking, but yes, it is street legal, uh, but it is definitely a, a pilot that we're testing here. So at the end of the episode, whoever earns more points is declared that episode's gold medalist, while the other participant is the silver medalist. You might say we'll have a winner and a loser, but to me, there are no losers in the RSPA. We're gonna have a gold medalist and a silver medalist. If after all of the segments, the score is tied, we'll go into overtime with bonus questions to determine who gets gold and who gets silver. So that's how we play Battle of the Channel Stars. We'll have a meaningful conversation in a fun framework. All right, let's meet our two contestants. First, Steve Silberman is a point of sale specialist for RSPA VAR member, Mercantile Process Inc, or MPI for short. Steve has been a member of the MPI team for four and a half years and also served as a company's VP of National POS Strategy. He also worked for Zephyr Hardware as a sales and support manager and for ISV LeVoo as a POS specialist working with resellers. Today, Steve also serves as a member of the RSPA membership committee. Steve, great to have you as a guest today. Jim, thank you very much. I am truly appreciative to be part of this and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thrilled to have you here. And so Steve and, my, Steve and I, our paths have crossed many times first. We were talking before we hit uh, record in person at a LeVu conference in Albuquerque. And one of the great things I like about Steve, the reasons our paths have crossed is because he's a lifelong learner, right? Consuming the webinars, consuming the podcasts, the white papers, things like that. So Steve, nice to have you as a lifelong learner and you can be a, uh, a teacher here starting on the pod. I certainly hope so. Thank you very much. Sure, thank you. Our second contestant is Stacy Carrillo, a six-year veteran of North American Bank Card. Stacy started at NAB as a POS channel manager, and today he's the Senior Business Development Director for NAB's Integrated Payments Division. Stacy's a longtime supporter of the RSPA, and today serves as the chair of the RSPA Education Committee. Great to talk with you, Stacy. Likewise, fist bumped everybody. <laughs> Beautiful. And Stacy, I have to give you credit because you really sparked this format. I don't know if you remember before Inspire 2020, we were talking about different ideas and you said, how can we integrate gamification? We did that to a degree at that Inspire event. And I thought, well, how can we integrate that gamification uh, into the podcast here? And so I guess you are to battle the channel stars with Dr. James Naismith was to basketball. So uh, good luck today. Again, you should have a home court advantage here. The heavy mantle, but uh, thank you. And I, I'm pretty sure I took the idea from somebody else, but you, know, you got to put it somewhere. 
Well, as a, a friend of mine who hosts a podcast says, the first I'll, I'll steal an idea from somebody. The first time I'll give them credit, but the remaining times I'm going to own it uh, myself and take credits for it. So, so feel free to take credit. Yeah, that's All like right, the guy so, who's the foul ball. The guy who who's the foul ball runs off his hands. The next guy gets it. It's the guy who's got all the bruises and never gets the ball. <laughs> that's exactly right. Bruce hands and drops his beer. So, <laughs> hey, so before we begin the battle, uh, just to set the stage for our listeners, can each of you give about thirty seconds on where your organization fits in the channel? Steve, if you can go first. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, MPI POS is a division of Mercantile Processing Incorporated. A registered ISO for uh, the last 16 years. The POS team provides end-to-end point-of-sale solutions for the restaurant and retail industries. Um, we take a processor agnostic approach to POS, which has led to a strong partner channel and also multiple bank relationships. And I'm Steve Silberman, and I've been in the POS industry for 10 years. Wonderful. No, glad to have you here. And uh, Stacy, tell us about uh, NAB. Sure. Uh, we're a technology company in the payment space. Uh, primarily for uh, RSPA purposes, we have many members who use our EPX platform. It's a true end-to-end platform here in the U.S. Uh, to integrate payments, and uh, we uh, like to believe we do things very well, and, and we've been very appreciative of all of the uh, support and all the connections that the RSPA provides. So I, I do very much appreciate being here. Sure. Thank you, guys. And all right, let's play Battle of the Channel Stars. The nice and ease are out of the way. It's time for us to do a virtual arm wrestling match here. So again, our focus for today is key skills every channel leader needs. And so what I'm going to do is I'll mention a key skill. Steve and Stacy will share their perspective on that skill. We'll have a brief discussion, and then I will award the point for that round. Again, the, you get points for being specific, being unique, insightful, flattering, or insulting the host is not so good unless it's such a spectacular insult that you will get bonus points uh, for that. So, all right, so uh, Steve, why don't you start us off uh, the first topic of sales and business development. Uh, what would be your take on that? What would you wanna share uh, with our listeners and viewers? Of course, thank you very much. My philosophy in the POS industry has always surrounded the idea that there is more than enough room for everyone to coexist. And I know that may not be popular, and certainly uh, my more competitive colleagues might be fundamentally opposed to that idea. How, however, a partner-focused mindset has allowed MPI to grow our channel year over year, and it has been the core of my approach to business development from the very start of my career. Uh, I have seen firsthand how successful this can be. I am reminded uh, uh, of a quote of a certain moderator of the trusted uh, advisor podcast has been known to throw around uh, this phrase, which is a rising tide lifts all boats, um, which I couldn't agree more. Even if it means giving up a portion of the business in order to build strong relationships with other industry professionals, uh, that has been a small sacrifice, um, which has led to incredible returns. I'll add two very quick other points in regards to sales. Um, both fall under the most basic of sales skills, whether you are the VP of business development or a brand new salesperson. I believe that these skills can often be a litmus test to determine if you are going to be successful in sales in general. The very first is going to be from um, my first mentor in the industry, Steve Brown, who always drilled into my very being, follow up, follow up, follow up. And I'm sure he would want me to say again, follow up, follow up, follow up. <laughs> it's that important. Uh, the second skill, and perhaps even more important, is just asking for the business. 
I have never believed in shady closing techniques or, or, or forcing customers um, to make those types of decisions. And my father often said when I was growing up that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And I like to say, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Uh, so I think that rings true here in that whether you're focusing uh, on closing a single mom and pop boutique retail shop or a multi-location national chain restaurant, you have to ask for the business. Thank you. Fabulous. All right, uh, Stacy, what's your take on uh, sales and business development? What would you share? Yeah, and this uh, really, it's a, it's a segue from what Steve was saying. I, um, growing up uh, as a child of the 90s, uh, just to kind of date myself a little bit, I remember a, a, a movie, the, the movie Romeo and Juliet, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, if you remember that, and there was a song uh, that went with that movie, it was by Boz Lerman, and uh, Don't Be Afraid to Wear Sunscreen or whatever the, the, the name of the song was, but but what I remember from that uh, from that song, I, I, I wake up every day and it's do something every day that scares you, and uh, it was one of the, the pieces of advice that, that I truly try to apply in what I'm doing in sales because it's it can be hard to get up and pick up the phone and get going your motion you you wonder what that person on the other end when it's a cold call is is gonna is gonna be like you you wonder if you feel like you're, you're interrupting them and I think as the older we get the more we kind of take those experiences where we don't like to be bothered right we don't we're in the middle of dinner and somebody's coming to the door I think what we have to remember is to put that aside and when you make that phone call remember that you're there to help them and more times than not and and i can honestly say that uh you know whether it's our uh what we do whether it's approach whether it's my humility that i try to to put first and foremost whatever whatever it is um and maybe even more so the person on the other end i i usually get that respect of, and thank of that and, and 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 thanks for the phone call um now whether or not it goes anywhere not not as concerned about that uh the fact that you get it going and like anything in gym, you can attest from your uh, from your athletic days uh, that you know you just gotta you just gotta get out there and break the seal and start start that first sprint and and then the rest of it just kind of follows and before you know it uh, you're into it for an hour you broke a sweat you feel great and uh, and and your feelings come from the results of that again whether something progressed you had a nice conversation you learned something. Yeah, the most important step in a marathon uh, is the first one. And I'm looking for those of uh, watching on YouTube. I'm looking. Uh, both of you are talking about a book that I just finished reading called The Serving Mindset, where it talked about if you talk about serving and helping, you'll never sell ever, right? You're always just looking, how can I help? How can I help? And if it's a good fit, it's a good fit. I want to ask both of you if you can quickly follow up. Steve, you brought up about, um, you know, follow up, follow up, follow up. And so I want to ask both of you quickly, how do you do that and not be annoying? Because both of you guys are really nice guys, right? That's part of the reason why I invited you on here. You're among the nicest salespeople I've ever uh, engaged with, nicest business development people who I ever engaged with. So Steve, what do you do? And then Stacy, what do you do from a follow-up, follow-up, follow-up uh, with, you know, still keeping the, the person having a positive view of you? Certainly. I appreciate that very much. Um, a long time ago, I read, I think it takes between six and 14 touches in order to close a deal. Uh, and those touches come in many different forms. So it is important to have a variety of follow-ups and not just be singular where you're just calling, calling, calling and leaving voicemails, or even if you're connecting. When you do follow up, you need to be prepared in advance so you know what you're going to say. Uh, I do believe in preparation quite heavily and uh, you never wanna just call just to touch in. Um, 
I think uh, an art soap check quote or something said, just stop touching your customers. They don't want to be touched. Um, and that's the truth, right? You want to bring value to each conversation. So right. in addition, if variety is important, so we have many means of, of communicating. We have, of course, I do love email. I love phone calls. Nothing beats an in-person as well, uh, if, if it's appropriate. And you do also want to respect that the person on the other side, whether it's a partner or a customer, they are busy and they have their own priorities. So I don't like to be overly aggressive, but if I am providing them with a valuable service that is actually going to benefit them, uh, build their business, make things more efficient, increase revenue, I know it's important that I get in front of them. Uh, so you have to follow that that kind of uh, that tightrope, so, so to speak. Uh, but as long as you get to the other end, that's that's all that matters. Great, thank you. Stacy, uh, how do you follow up in a, a nice but persistent manner? Yeah, I, I think um, it, it somewhat touches on what Steve said is it's not so much about just the touch. It's about the value of that. And when you're following up, I think the old days of, hey, I'm just checking in. And, and maybe sometimes that is necessary because they said, hey, give me a call at whatever time. Um, and, and along with that, try to set that next uh, time where they're expecting you, whether it's a day or a week when you end that first call. Try to remember to do that because they've then given you that invitation and and if you're a, a professional oftentimes you're going to honor what you've uh, what you've said and you're going to take that call or respond to that email um and sometimes you get busy and that's not always the case uh but back to the value it's giving them another and adding to the reason so for instance if um we've given them you know all the reasons in that in that first call or second call after discovery and we've laid it all out there now we're following up reiterate one of those benefits and how it translate to a return on investment. Just a very simple, whether it's email or phone call. Hey, I just want to remind you that, that this is going on, you know, the cost of waiting, maybe you can throw that out there. Uh, but it doesn't just have to be, hey, I'm just checking in, um, what's the decision? Bring a value and bring a reason for a response and, and uh, evoke that response. Wonderful. Both great answers. I really like the specifics. I took uh, some notes. I am giving uh, Steve, I'm awarding Steve the point. Oh my gosh, Kudos. I have this backwards, um, so I have to flip it around. But I'm, I'm giving Steve uh, the point uh, for that. Again, this uh, state-of-the-art scoreboard uh, still, you know, it's in test, it's in beta phase, so that's why uh, we have things we need to work on. But Steve, I really like the whole, like I said, follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Uh, you know, it reminds me when I talk with resellers, there's one in Chicago, and all that he does is he just keeps stopping by. Right, he just keeps checking in no matter what, just to see how somebody's doing. And at some point, they're going to need him uh, sooner or later, whether it's you know a month down the road or, or years down the road. So, all right, well, both points, uh, both good points, but uh, the official point goes to Steve. All right, the next skill that all channel leaders need is customer service, but we want to talk about it in a proactive format because we're going to talk about you know after that troubleshooting, which is reactive customer service. So uh, Stacy, what would be your uh, top of the chart uh, advice or guidance to our listeners related to proactive customer service? Uh, I, I think a lot of that is making sure that you follow up on what you said you were going to do from the beginning and assuring that if you laid out several benefits or several things that you committed to do, that you are following up and checking in to be sure that you are meeting those expectations. Because ultimately, we know how difficult it is to find a new customer. Obviously, retaining that customer is much more in your interest. And it's such an easier phone call to an existing, you know, back to the cold calling. It's so much easier to call an existing customer when things are obviously on awesome terms, as they should be, 
Um, not always, but as they should be. So you want to avoid those. Um, so again, following up and making sure that you are uh, meeting the expectations that you set out uh, and that that's coming to, to truth. Great. Thank you. Steve, your take on proactive customer service. Sure. Stacey, what a phenomenal response. And I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, I think we we both would say we're firm believers in proactivity, right? Um, I liken this to preparing for a wrestling match when I was a, a very young athlete in high school. Um, I would work with my coaches and my other teammates to prepare for whoever my next opponent was. We would study film if possible, or at least just uh, get get um, more information about them. And we would prepare uh, an offensive and defensive strategy. So by the time that I got on the mat and before the whistle blew, I had relentlessly practiced which moves I was planning to use, which greatly improved my chances of winning. Now I'm not a, a wrestling star by any means, but I did have some success and preparation was key. So when it comes to customer service, I liken this to education and instilling extensive education within your employees and your staff, uh, training them to be professional in general and making sure they understand what their role is within the organization, and what the roles are with with the others in the organization. Um, learning our products to a high level of competency and knowing who our partners are and who the key players are at those partners, uh, organizations. On a business development standpoint, I think you have to prepare for growth as well, which does help with customer service because you can do things like building systems to allow for scalability. You can uh, um, create templates to increase efficiency, which is something I know you have uh, written in, in several articles in the past, and using technology to streamline, streamline communications and organize your data. Um, from a sales perspective, reaching out, um, like Stacy had said, right, being proactive, reaching out to your partners or to your customers when new features are available or new products have come out or even just changes within their system is a great touch point for, for anyone that you're reaching out to, and it does tend to also result in additional sales opportunities. I am a believer, not in just proactivity, but customer service is an arm of sales and sales is also an arm of customer service. Thank you. Uh, well said, yeah, they are not separate things, right? You can't be siloing your business and say, well, here's how one group treats our customers and then they're totally segmented uh, from another one. Uh, great, great point there. Um, I am gonna give the point here to Stacy. Uh, because what he said really resonates uh, and, and reflects what we've uh, heard on some of our calls that we've had uh, lately, um, you know, like the marketing, the RSP Marketing Committee. Uh, it was Thomas Greenman from Skirla's uh, up in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, talked about the fundamentals, right? Not you know, like have that automation, have that preparation like that you talked about, Steve. But you've got to make sure you as a human being follow up and, and follow through on your commitments and check in and see uh, how people uh, are doing. So, you know, make sure that you're setting clear expectations, make sure when you're setting those expectations, you're recapping the conversation and then write it down and send it over to the person. And that way everybody knows that they're, they're on the same page. I was actually just talking to somebody about that yesterday. So, uh, Stacey, you got the point, anything else you'd want to add in terms of to what, uh, what I said or what, what Steve said? I, I think Steve, Steve added a bunch of color there. That makes total sense. Great, fabulous. All right, so moving on for the third point and to break the now 1-1 one, one tie, uh, let's talk about uh, reactive customer service, also known as troubleshooting. Steve, what would be uh, your take, your perspective on that? Certainly, 
And and I, I know I just mentioned this, so um, we know that I'm a firm believer in proactive uh, service. However, I think being reactive is unavoidable in our business, and there will be times when it's necessary. Uh, just like my wrestling days, right? You don't know exactly what your opponent's going to do, which is why I wasn't a state champion because you can't always prepare. However, um, these well, unexpected- what, what, state were, what state were you in at the time? That's one thing too. Oh, I was in Maryland, not exactly Maryland. a powerhouse, but we were solid. Still pretty good. That's a good wrestling state. That's a good wrestling state. And I'm sorry, but and what weight did you wrestle at? I do have to ask. Sure. Uh, my my best weight was 103. I was the featherweight, okay. and then um, I got tired of sucking weight uh, senior year, so I wrestled 119. Um, got it. Which was more pleasant but less successful. <laughs> Pre prepare, Stacy. I'm going to ask how much you weighed in high school as well uh, for your portion. So. Uh, <laughs> so Steve, okay. I, 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 I wrestled. I wrestled yeah. Good. I, I just had to know. I had to know. Okay. So you weren't a state champion, but talk about how, uh, you know, talk about being reactive. Sure. Of course. So these situations can, can come up um, frequently. Uh, it could be an unexpected software bug or customer hard hardware has failed, or maybe a more timely example would be a, a supply chain disruption uh, that was unanticipated. So again, taking a proactive approach to being reactive and training the team and educating them so they understand how to deal with these scenarios will ensure top-notch customer service. And that is, of course, the core of all of our businesses. So again, um, I like educating my team. Um, my take on troubleshooting in general is a pretty simple step-by-step -step approach. The very first thing is you have to remain professional at all times. That's crucial. And the next thing uh, that I like to instill is demonstrating empathy. When the customer has called in or your partner, they're likely frustrated, they're dealing with a problem, there could be possible financial implications. So recognizing that, letting them know that you are hearing them and that you're here to help them resolve the issue will de-escalate de as well. And we need to de-escalate before you can tackle a problem because as we know, clear heads do prevail. Uh, then of course, we awesome. have to fix the problem. So identifying it through questions, um, finding the resolution, and then we send the customer on their way. They're busy, they are problem solvers like us, so they have the next problem to tackle. But that's not the very last step because we do wanna make sure that we are being um, excellent in our communication. So I do like to have a follow-up email which outlines the basic gist of the conversation, the issue that occurred, how it was resolved, and thanking the customer for being valuable uh, and that we appreciate them. This does serve multiple ends. Um, First, of course, good communication is key. It is always nice to be nice, and that does lead to lower attrition and increased sales in the future. But it also does have a secondary um, uh, function as well, which can be nice, which is if you actually are training the customer or partner what the resolution was, there is a chance that if it's simple enough, they might not have to call back in the future if it happens again, which reduces call volume for the service team. That's right. Don't just solve the initial problem. Make sure you're uh, you know, tilling the tilling the ground, so you're planting a seed to to solve a future problem. So, good info, awesome. Stacy. Uh, what's your take on troubleshooting? What do you want to share? Yeah, and and what I heard there is is through through when you get to the core is listening and just turning your ears on and turning your mouth off. Uh, that is so critical. The old the old adage that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go a different direction that is actually very critical um it's also too on you have to in in sales we always have to remember our roles of of what we're best at 
I am I am not in customer service because that is not my greatest skill. However, what I can do is show that empathy when I take that phone call and I can judge that situation whether I truly need to be involved. If I truly do not need to be involved, then what I need to do is I need to let those who have that skill set get involved. And what I need to do is listen and make sure they know they're not being passed off. I'm committed from what I said from the get-go as I set expectations about what about what they're going to expect as far as those processes because that's some things you should talk about in that sales process what happens here what happens here what happens here and i try to lay out so when we get to this situation you should contact these individuals do include me though because if we're not on point or we're not as perfect as we would like to be i can at least monitor that so what i've done is i've taken a lot of that load off of of me so again i can let those with the skill set handle that but i saw i can focus on what i'm best at and allow that to happen so kind of the to, to bring it all around it's it, it is absolutely listening is also knowing when you need to be involved and knowing when you need to uh get it over to those who can but still stay in tune with it that is critical because that that goes back to they're going to stay with you if you can be empathetic with them I, I have to say, I really like what uh, both of you said and Stacey, that last point that you just said in terms of you don't just shovel it off to somebody else, right? Like chucking a football when the blitz is coming and letting that person get tackled, right? You should keep checking in and making sure like actually, I actually have a note and I use this in uh, customer service training. It's a note up on my wall and it says actually care, right? Like step number one is actually care about the customer. And if you actually care about them, just naturally you're going to stay um, uh, in touch with it. So. Uh, no, but both good points. I am going to give the point to Steve uh, just because he's given me the opportunity to hype a document uh, that the RSPs put together. And it's uh, nine steps and it's how to win over an upset customer. And Steve kind of gave some of the overviews there. And, and Stacey, you, you tied in with it as well in terms of first, you have to listen, right? You've got to make sure you get a full understanding. You have to show that empathy all the way through. Then you have to act very quickly and then do that detailed follow up and make sure that the person uh, is taken care of in, in that manner. And so once you get that formula, you, what you do is you can refer to those nine steps instead of flipping out when somebody's yelling at you, right? Because you are going to come across that where somebody is just hot under the collar. They're in a tough situation. Instead of fighting emotion with emotion or paying attention more to your own emotion, if you go to this nine step list, it's really going to help you solve the problem. If folks want that, uh, just email me at jroddy, J-R-O-D-D-Y at gorspa.org. And I'm happy to send you the uh, steps to win over an upset customer. It's been validated by many resellers and ISVs in this space. All right, we are at halftime and Steve has a slight edge, a two to one advantage. Let's pause here during halftime to let our listeners and viewers know an RSP membership has never been more valuable or more affordable. Annual memberships for VARs start at just $250 a year for dozens of high value services, including RSPA Accelerate, which is the next generation of education for the retail IT channel. This online system offers continuous learning, training and development opportunities anytime, anywhere from any device. For more information on RSPA Academy Accelerate, visit learn.gorspa.org. Also, we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. Finally, don't forget to save the date for two special RSPA events in 2022. I can't believe we're almost in 2022. 
do. Seems like we were just complaining about 2020. The first event is Inspire, the Retail IT Channel's premier executive conference, January 23rd through 26th at the Wyndham Grand in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And Retail Now 2022 is July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando, two events you don't want to miss and it's a great opportunity for you to build your skills as a channel leader to receive the benefits of an rsp membership or rsp sponsorship email membership at gorspa.org all right i wasn't paying attention hopefully you guys got hydrated and stretched out and you're ready uh for the home stretch i'm realizing since we're doing six periods because they're not quarters we could have done this hockey style and had just like two intermissions uh but you know We'll, we'll do that next time we have, we have six right points. Yeah. And, and I'm a basketball guy anyway. You know, hockey is, you know, I've always said I'd rather watch a bad basketball game than a good hockey game. So so apologize to uh, everybody who's a hockey fan. Not that I don't like it. It's just I, I love basketball. There's a fight. It, it does make it interesting. Let's let's uh, let's be honest. That's right. Hey, and Stacey, I didn't ask you, what was your weight uh, in high school, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so I stopped wrestling my sophomore year. I, I, uh, I just wasn't, I just wasn't very good. Um, but I was wrestling right around the 115 mark as a freshman, but I uh, gained a little bit of weight like everybody else. So, um, uh, by the time I was done, I was in my, in the one forties. So, but little, little yeah, heavier. I, I was in the, around the one forties as well. And I'm with you. I do not know how those wrestlers cut weight. Like I ate what I wanted and I cannot imagine trying to lose weight you know, going down anywhere from, from where we were. So yeah, God bless you. All right, Stacy, you're leading us off and we're heading down the home stretch here. We have about uh, 20 minutes left. Uh, and so the next skill that we want to talk about channel leaders need is teamwork, right? And being playing part of a team, building a team, enhancing that team. What advice, what guidance, what uh, stories do you want to share with our audience on teamwork? Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to skills, making sure that you have the people with the right with the right skills in the right places and assuring that when you have the issues that need to uh, be addressed or you're working uh, on a presentation that you've got the right individuals that are best at their job and deferring to their knowledge. Um, anything I've learned, I've, I've, I've picked up through curiosity or whatnot, um, certainly we were talking before we started about you know being born we're all uh steve brought up this point uh which i never heard before that we're all uh born afraid of spiders and snakes i think was what uh, <laughs> was yep. that outside of that i i didn't know anything um so everything i've learned are from those that are smarter than me and and i think you have to keep that mindset that you always have to depend on those and defer to those that are good at what they do and let them do their job because ultimately you're going to be all the better for it in the sum. Great, if people wonder what we talk about before we hit record, it's checking everybody's lighting and then we talk about spiders and snakes uh, and, and, my, and my new haircut. Uh, Steve, uh, what do you wanna talk about in, in terms of teamwork? Absolutely, I'll start with saying what a spectacular response, um, Stacy. I love that. I took a lot away from that. Uh, the idea of division of roles and that, um, people with the right skills in the right place, uh, letting them do their jobs as well. That's just a phenomenal um, measure of teamwork. And I really, really appreciate that. I will uh, do a quick basketball quote. Uh, I know Jim is a big college basketball fan, but uh, Michael Jordan, he was quoted saying that talent wins games, but intelligence and teamwork wins championships. And I think that's certainly true. Um, I think that we all agree that a lone wolf approach to business is not really an effective strategy to grow an organization. Um, 
And I read a book last year that I really enjoyed by Liz Weber called Something Needs to Change. And that book is really actually focused, at least what I take away from it was, uh, it was really written for people planning to um, exit an organization from the CEO level down. But it also highlights the importance of building a structure that is stronger than any single individual within that organization, which is very important. And that whole, uh, I know the Baltimore Ravens who are, are my home team, it's that next man up defense, right? Uh, that's very important. So in doing so, an effective team not only helps each other succeed, but they help each other become better as individuals within that organization. As leaders, it is our job to build a culture of teamwork, uh, and that is crucial. And that means certain ideals need to be fostered. Um, that can be very difficult in sales, where salespeople in general, by nature, are highly competitive, right? We all talked about being athletes here. We all want to win. Uh, and often, salespeople are incentivized to compete with each other and outperform each other. But that doesn't mean that they can't exist in a strong sales um, environment with an overarching umbrella of a teamwork philosophy um, above that, right? Again, like Michael Jordan and the Bulls, he needed the rest of the team to win those championships. Um, oh, yes, sorry. Did you want to touch in? No, no, oh. I, I, please finish. Oh, it's okay. There's not much else. Um, it's a tough river to navigate, I, I believe, because we are highly competitive. But when you hire high performers, something that you can do early on is right from the onset, uh, instill those important company culture uh, aspects and foster that during new hire training, set the expectation that organizations must, uh, that the individuals within an organization have to share information. And that's important uh, because again, a rising tide lifts all boats. And that is how a successful organization can be made up of successful individuals. Wonderful. Stacey, was there something you wanted to add in there? Yeah, I, I wanted to tag, tag on that. And I noticed there's a book on your bookshelf called The Walk-On Method. Um, in my um, in, in, in my review, I, I think one of the core pieces when you talk about teamwork is the walk-on. And after reading the book, it really put it in perspective because I never really, my thought is always, a walk, I was never walking, but a, a, a walk-on really, in my mind, was there to compete for a starting job. And what you realize is that it's okay. They, a lot of these guys' mindsets is, you know what, I'm here. Number one, there's a, certainly an interest that I get to, you know, have that on my resume or whatnot, but, but you have that servant piece. And I know we'll talk about servant leadership about saying, Hey, look, this is my role. My role is to scout because that's what I'm really good at. I'm not the best shooter. I'm not the best guard. I'm a scout and I'm really good. I'm better than anybody else that does that. That is my role. And that's how we're going to win together. Um, I'll say one other thing and one, one tip that I've incorporated that I picked up long ago and it's genuine is when I'm asking for something from somebody who does what I don't do and has a better skill, I want them to know that, Hey, your experience here or your expertise can really help me. Can you lend your expertise to this particular problem that I need to solve? And I'm letting them know that you're extremely valued. Um, certainly I can probably do it more than I do. And I think number one, it's it's going to help you get what you want uh, to help everybody get ultimately what they want, which is a, a, a team win. But it's also letting them know how 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 valuable they are, just because we we should do that in general. For sure. So I'm going to give the point uh, to Stacy. Both of you made good points, and it's not because Stacy mentioned my book, The Walk On Method to Career oh, Success, on on sale. Yeah. Oh, that's yours. I didn't know you wrote the on sale now uh, at Amazon.com. Uh, uh, Fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> 
get your credit cards ready. I, it's because what you mentioned is, and there, there's two things. And again, it's not that I disagree with anything that you said, Steve, but what I see some organizations do, some leaders do is they're focusing on how do we do things as a team? How do we do this team thing? And all this, you know, trying to, I don't say game the system, but try to create all these systems around it. But it really comes down to if you recruit and retain and train the right kind of person, a lot of that teamwork stuff is going to happen naturally. Not all of it, but it's not as heavy lifting if you get the right people. And so Kirby Smart, head coach of University of Georgia, as we record this, undefeated, ranked number one in the country, he said no coach can out-coach recruiting. And that's how I kind of think about it in terms of like, like no manager can out-manage you know, manage the wrong person, right? You've got to make sure you have the right people and they help build the right environment. Those are the things that you need to do. So you got to start with the thing you said, Stacy, get the right people who have the right skills, the right attitude and put them in the right places. All right, uh, Steve, one thing, you know, I'm realizing this battle of channel starts, it's kind of like tennis. Like each of you have held serve because you answer the question first. And so the person who answers first, it's almost like you break serve uh, if, if you score a point on them. So, all right, Steve, uh, the added pressure is on you. Uh, this is point number five, your last opportunity to serve and go first uh, about being a lifelong leader. And I alluded to that uh, in the introduction. Can you talk about the importance of that, both personally and how it applies to other people, please? Sure, and I'll try to bring, bring the the Pete Sampras serve on this uh this response. <laughs> Very good, <laughs> great reference. <laughs> um, being a lifelong learner, uh, something I truly am passionate about is education. It has served me well throughout my career, and education I have found is one of several keys to being successful, not just in your career but but in life. Um, if you're part of a dynamic industry like POS or merchant services you know that things are changing constantly. It's always evolving. There's always something new coming down the road. And even if you've been in the industry for a long time, you can't know everything, uh, which is why you have to continually experience and learn more things. Um, I like to take Bill Gates as a good example. Uh, and I am no Bill Gates by any means, but um, he, he reads approximately 50 books a year, uh, which is quite a lot. I, on the other hand, taking that education approach, I try to learn at least one hour a day or five hours a week, which has been very, very helpful. And whether that's watching podcasts or listening to them, uh, webinars, engaging with other uh, industry professionals, or just reading industry articles, that can really help shape your your knowledge within, within a career. And I certainly love doing it. Um, education has helped me close more business, which I think is important for everyone on our channel but also meet interesting people and have more engaging conversations. Um, so it certainly helps me keep up with the latest industries. And uh, that is why I believe being a lifelong learner is so important. Great, thank you. Stacy. Uh, your, your return serve, if uh, Sampras, he hit one, smoked one, 130 miles an hour on the line, how do you return it? That one went right through my, uh, my racket. Uh, <laughs> you were holding I, a baseball bat, so let's see what happens. I'm a, I'm a rock music fan. And uh, I, I heard uh, Jason Newstead, who was the, the basis for the band Metallica uh, on their Behind the Music years ago. And he said when he toured with uh, Guns N' Roses that he learned what to do and what not to do. And what I gather from that is there's a lesson in everything. Um, in order to gather those lessons, you, you, you have, to, you have to, to commit to that reading and whatnot. I, I, I try to keep a book by my desk. I'm not always successful at picking that book up every night. Um, if nothing else, you can, you can, hopefully you're subscribing to trade magazines that are, that are part of your business. Um, 
also you're you're you were picking up some book obviously that's relative to your industry but you also too you have to kind of refresh too and you know watch your sports or whatnot and keep 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 a, a fresh clean mind so that way when you do dig in you're going you're going hard for that 30 minutes or, or hour or whatever it is but uh i i do agree i'm i'm a huge fan of the of the habits of of success stephen covey and uh uh, the sharpening the saw is is probably what I feel is most relevant in all of those. Making sure, I mean, so many things to say. No, nobody watching this needs to be. Yeah. What is sharpening the saw for those who who don't know that uh, that term? Yeah. So always, always educating yourself, always staying smart with your skills, and that's that's my um, uh, that's that's my interpretation of that anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And whether it's, you know, getting in your car, if you have a 30 minute drive, putting on a podcast, you know, whether, again, you got a book by your, your nightstand. And again, I don't think anybody listening to this uh, doubts that because obviously they're paying attention here and hopefully there's a nugget or two that comes from all of this. And, you know, maybe we're not teaching anything new, but again, whether you're learning what to do or what not to do, um, you're learning something. Yep. And the literal version of sharpen the saw is you're chopping down a tree spend a lot of time sharpening your saw first before you go chopping down the tree. Like it's two people are in a competition. You know, one guy just grabs the ax and just starts whacking away at it. The other person spends time sharpening the saw and they go quickly uh, through the tree. So again, both very good points. I'm going to give that to Stacy. So Stacy breaks serve. And the reason is you brought up a point that I, that I've never really articulated, but I thought about a lot, where lifelong learning isn't just about what you should do, it's that what you shouldn't do. And if you pay attention to, like Enron to me is a great example in terms of they were always front and center and they were what the smartest guys in the room and they were arrogant and you just saw them you know, completely collapse. So make sure when you're paying, when you're seeing things, it doesn't always have to be the best practice. You can find out things you just don't want to, uh, you don't want to do and, and you want to, avoid so all right so uh three to two so steve not to keep putting the pressure on you but uh pressure's on see if you can return serve here uh stacy yeah. the last topic is servant leadership what say you uh i i think that's for me it sums up just setting the example and and being an example um i i don't i don't know that there's any other way to say it than as succinctly as that and just assuring again, it goes back to some things we already talked about: addressing people respectfully, um, even even making sure they know how valued they are with their expertise set. So in the communication, um, sometimes it can be easy. We all know it, it can be easy when you're faced with something and maybe somebody goofed up somewhere to externalize that. Obviously, you know you you can't do that uh, in, in a way that's going to you know compromise your position. But sometimes it can be easy to fire off that email that doesn't look as as nice as what it can be. So sometimes you just need to kind of rethink about how you're doing it. And again, it comes back to that example. How would you want to 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 be responded to and how do you fit? And remembering their position and what they do. So again, just you know, as succinctly as this, just example. Got it. Thank you. Steve, servant leadership, what's your take? Sure. So um what a phenomenal response again by Stacy. The, the setting of the example is such a crucial point for any leader within within the business um, and the industry. When I think of servant leadership, to me, it's the idea of sharing power and helping others develop and perform as highly as possible, right? And that's a concept I can certainly get behind. Um, one of my goals as a leader has been to raise those around me so they too can become leaders and help those uh, around them rise and succeed. I fully admit this is a self-serving goal. 
um, because the more empowered a person is, an employee, the more likely they're going to make good, thoughtful decisions, which is going to result in better customer satisfaction, increased retention, happier customers, more effective communication, and a better overall sales, sales organization. It, it will literally make our lives easier. Um, such improvements also directly correlate to increased revenue. Not to mention, empowering your team also frees up your own time, which is very nice because they are able to make these good, critical thinking, uh, thought-provoking, um, problem-solving decisions. And that kind of allows you to, to use that extra time to focus on other things, uh, which can be a path to growth and success. I'm reminded of another book. Uh, I do like to always relate to what, what ma uh, means something to me, and that's The One Minute Manager, which is a really easy read. And if you haven't read it out there, take, take a day. It's, it's, a, it's, it's really short, and it's really worth reading. In that right. book, you can, you can, it's a book you literally can get through yeah. in a day, even if you're not some voracious reader, 100%. That's right. And I'm a very slow reader. I like to absorb, and I knock that thing out pretty quickly. Uh, what I really liked is in that book, the fictitious manager has created a culture in which he is elevating his employees within the, 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 the company to make their own decisions and to essentially self-manage. Um, as a result of that, those employees are more um, likely to be elevated within the organization, uh, which is really wonderful at a higher rate than other uh, supervisors within, within that same business. Uh, and it's because he's empowered them to make decisions through problem solving and critical thinking. So I think the ultimate goal of every leader within the channel is to build up our team, set them up for success, and to share power so that they can be empowered to make good decisions. Great. All right. So the final point of the match, I'm going to give it to Steve, because Steve, oh. I liked how you said share power and empower. That's really what it comes down to. A lot of people talk about being a servant leader, but are you actually sharing that power? Are you actually teaching people to get better and empower? I always say, don't do ignorant empowerment where you're like, here, you're in charge of this and they're going to go off and fail. Are you spending time with the person to teach them and really raise them and lift them up? So, all right. So gentlemen, we are going to overtime, but before we do that, we're going to Jim, recap this. One point. Oh, I, I... Yeah, go ahead, Stacey. So, so you know how when the uh, when the pitcher throws the ball and the batter's right there and he just blazes the fastball right to the to the and you just the guy puts his head down and walks to the dugout. That's that's what that just felt like. So, <laughs> yeah. So very 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 uh, well. Uh, I, I like the one minute manager reference um, very much. So that was my Wonderful. my Nolan Ryan two fingers uh, fastball there. So. <laughs> Very good. I never thought Pete Sampras, Nolan Ryan, and Spiders would uh, would be part of this podcast. But and we're asking you guys about your weight. But but here we are. So all right. Before we go to overtime, uh, let's recap the six key skills again to be a channel leader, an effective channel leader. One, sales and business development. Two, customer service, meaning proactive. Three, troubleshooting, which is reactive customer service. Four, teamwork. Five, a lifelong, learn, a lifelong learner. And six is servant leadership. If you are good at those six skills, you are going to be a successful leader in our industry. All right, so let's go to overtime and decide who's going to get the gold and who's going to get the silver. What I'm going to do is share a business-related quote, and you have to guess it from five options of who said it. Okay, and so Steve is going to get to answer first to this first question because he won the first point of the match. All right, I'm going to read the quote, and then you, I'm going to give you the five options, and Steve, you say first um, who you believe said it, and then uh, Stacy, you have to guess differently because you can't just keep guessing the same, right? We'd be here all <laughs> night, so. All right, here we go. 
So the quote is, we must not only listen, we must do something to give the client the experience of having been listened to. And I think both of you alluded to that. All right, so was that said by Chip and Dan Heath in their book, Decisive? Was it Dale Carnegie in How to Win Friends and Influence People? Was it Ken Blanchard and Sheldon Bowles in Raving Fans? Was it David Maester in The Trusted Advisor? Or is this me on an ego trip in my book, The Walk-On Method to Career and Business Success? So again, we must not only listen, we must do something to give the client the experience of having been listened to. Again, is it the Heath brothers, Carnegie, Bowles and Blanchard, Maester, or me? Steve. going to try to use my um, critical thinking skills and I scratched off a few. So I've got what I believe is a 30% or 50% chance. So I'm going to go with Blanchard. Going with Ken Blanchard, Bowles. Sheldon Bowles and raving fans. Uh, Stacy, who do you think said this, uh, this quote? If you could please give me uh, the, uh, the books. Uh, sure. Again. Decisive, how to win friends and influence people, uh, raving fans, but that was already taken, the trusted advisor and the walk on method. Um, I'm going to go with trusted advisor. One of you is correct. The trusted advisor was my second choice. And Stacy was correct. Oh. It is in the trusted advisor, David Maester. It is the book that I highly recommend uh, when I'm doing any sort of customer service training. The trusted advisor is absolutely a phenomenal uh, book that we have. So, well, gentlemen, thank you very much. So the final score, Stacy four. Steve three in overtime. Stacy is the gold right, medalist. Yes, Steve is a silver medalist. Uh, thank you both for playing Battle of the Channel Stars. So Stacy, you get the final word, final thoughts uh, before before we go. Uh, this is your opportunity to react or, or gloat however you want. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, everybody in the RSPA. It is a wonderful community. There are not many communities like this for such a niche uh, business that we're all in. Um, it's such such good friendships and. Uh, Good connections that can be made. It all starts at the top with John Kirk. Jim, I appreciate you having us on. Uh, very much fun. Hopefully, we've imparted what to uh, know or what to not take away from all of this. And uh, look forward to doing it again uh, next time. Wonderful. Thank you guys very much. And again, to our listeners and our viewers, we hope you enjoyed today's discussion and fierce competition. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSP blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Stacy Carrillo, our gold medalist, to Steve Silverman, our silver medalist, for sharing their wisdom with us today. Gentlemen, again, anybody who's in the RSPA is a winner. You guys did a phenomenal, phenomenal job today. Thank you so much. Thanks also to RSPA marketing manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.